They say it's in your blood, a game that can't be won, only played. A love affair, it satisfies the soul and frustrates the intellect. The greatest game ever played, golf. It's real. And this is Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of legendary golfer Billy Casper. Talking golf with you for more than two decades. And now, here's Brian and Bob. And we're off and running. Brian and Bob with you here on Real Golf Radio. At Real Golf is the Twitter handle where you can find us and interact with the show whenever you'd like. You can also search Real Golf Radio where your favorite podcasts are found. Our flagship station is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah. 25 years of talking golf with you, and it's a pleasure to be with you each and every week. And I'll tell you what, we're all, we just booked our airfare to Augusta, so we're excited about that coming up in, I believe the last I checked was 54 days, I think, till we depart. But who's counting? <laughs> Not that anybody's counting. Yeah, I am. I can't wait. I'm excited. I actually have a good friend of mine who is playing this week at the National, and he couldn't mm. be more excited. So he gets to go into some of the pro shop areas that they no longer allow the media into. Right. So I did put a little bit of a request in for some merchandise. Mm. Give him a shopping list. I, I, you know what? I figured people do that to us. Why yes. not? Why not pass that along when the opportunity arises? So we'll yeah. see. But I may have a may have a little hat to already take with me uh, when we go. But I can't giddy can't, up. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he brings back. Yeah. Uh, Riviera. Share the love, Brian. <laughs> You're supposed to get one for me too. You were there last year. What do you mean? You were in there. You bought one. They didn't have any of the. Augusta National Hats when I was there. It's the members only logo stuff that we talked about. And I know. you got a you got a nice jacket or sweater with it. Oh, I got a little pullover, yes. Yeah. It has it on the That's on what the I'm pocket. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. the one. You've got that. I gotcha. thought you got a hat too. No? I did not. No they hat? didn't have it. Oh. Nope. Well, you know what? Here's hoping that I actually get drawn out this year and then I'll go buy you a hat. There you when go. When I'm finished. We got on, it. On Monday you got after. It. So. You got it. We got to start the good vibes now, right? Good vibes. That's right. Speaking of good vibes. <laughs> speaking of good vibrations. Those are negative vibes. Well, I guess it's got happier vibes than that. Good vibrations. Uh, it is the LA Open this week. Tiger Woods hosting. And I love it when Tiger's out playing again because not only does it bring a ton of attention to the game, but it also gives us an opportunity to visit with Tiger and get his take on what's happening around the game of golf. So we'll hear from his uh, comments after the Wednesday press conference. We're not going to really focus so much on the shank after the to end his first it's round a pitch out it's called a pitch out well as tiger said he presented the hosel first and yes <laughs> he, he shanked it <laughs> that's the technical term bob the technical yes. term we'll get into it all here from tiger and much more coming up next we're just getting started right here on real golf radio now Back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. This segment is brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort. Go to blackdesertresort.com. Find out about the exclusive real estate opportunities that are available at this incredible resort in southern Utah that features a Tom Weiskopf championship design golf course, a full water park in the family village area, world-class spa, 25,000 square feet of convention space, multiple restaurants, shopping, pickleball, and so much more. Check out blackdesertresort.com, hosting the PGA Tour coming this October, which is part of the FedEx Cup Fall Series. They will be playing the Black Desert Championship. Yeah, you can find out about that. Plus, tickets are going to be on sale here in just about two weeks. So stay tuned for all of that and find out more at blackdesertresort.com. And thanks again for joining us here on Real Golf Radio. Great to be with you, Brian Taylor. 
Taylor, Bob Casper. So moving along the West Coast Swing, Riviera, the final stop on this. Uh, and, and you know what it's been, as you mentioned, some weather, some challenges. Uh, obviously, Phoenix, we'll talk more about that and how crazy it was. But Riviera this week. Bob, let's just ask you this real quick. Why is Riv so special? What is it about Riviera in your mind that just makes it so good? Well, it's the it's the tradition behind the event. It's the setting of where the event is right there in that little kind of valley and ravine area. Um, it's the glitzer and glamour of Hollywood and all the actors and actresses that have played there. But besides that, it's the tradition of Ben Hogan and Hogan's Alley, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, you know, he won the U.S. Open there after his car accident. Um, there's a lot of things that that go with this golf course, but a lot of it in my mind is probably tr- the traditions of the game and the people that have won the tournament there. Okay, I appreciate all that, and we're going to hear from Tiger about that on the PGA Tour, but specifically the golf course. You know, yeah. you've caddied around it. You've probably played it. What what is, what is What makes Riviera special, or how would you describe Riviera to those who haven't had a chance to play it? Well, it's a golf course that um, – it's interesting because you have to hit golf shots on that golf course because the golf course moves right to left or left to right in certain directions. The greens are difficult because they're sloped. Um, they've got some really good slope in them, but um, they they're difficult because they're Poana and they get you know bounce they get bouncy and they get uh, tracked up quite a bit. And then also, of course, what the sixth hole which is the par three, that sixth hole has a bunker right in the middle of the green. I, I remember the first time I saw that when I was there with my dad, when I when I was looking at golf courses a little bit more as as an older kid, you know, uh, an t- uh, older teenager, that kind of thing, and I couldn't believe that there was a bunker in the middle of the green, and and you see that. So there's, there's uh, a lot of fun stuff about this golf course. There's the ravines that go through the golf course, the waste areas that go through the golf course that are – Difficult as well, um, especially on some par fives and some par fours that if you hit it in the rough, then you got to decide whether you're going to take that on and hit it over that ravine. Um, so it's it, it it's a really, really, really fun golf course, and it's uh, nestled in a nice little area where you get some winds coming up and up and down that kind of little canyon or ravine area. Um, but the best and a lot of the best and a lot of the greatest players to ever play the game have won at this golf course. And yet Tiger Woods has played this 15 times. This is his 16th mm-hmm. and he's never won here. I think uh, the stat is something crazy. Like he's the, any golf court tournament or golf course where he's played tournaments on at least four times. There's only mm-hmm. four that he hasn't won an event on four times. Right. He's played right. here 15, now 16 times. And, of course, he was asked that question. Doug Ferguson, the Associated Press, asked him on his Wednesday press conference why this is a place he's never won. Well, I've, I have traditionally not have putted well here. Uh, I've, this is a, a fader's delight. Uh, most of the holes are for a righty run left to right. And I've driven it well here. I've, there's small greens. And... <clears throat> Traditionally, you know, throughout my entire career, my iron game is, has been you know pretty good, but I have never really you know gotten hot with the putter this uh, at this event and this this course. Generally, they're they're bumpy poa, <laughs> so uh, it's been a little bit tricky. For some reason, it just has never you know compiled to a hot week. I had one where I had a chance against Ernie and hit a foul ball in the last hole. So. Um, 
that's other than that, I really haven't had that many opportunities for some reason. Yeah, it is for some reason. And if correct yeah. me if I'm wrong there, Bob, but I believe Tiger took that opportunity to just drop in that for most of his career, he had a pretty good iron game. Oh, yes, he <laughs> I mean, did. I mean, really? <laughs> he had a lot more than a pretty good iron game. I mean, just, you know, I, I mean, and for well, yeah, a lot of my career, you know, I had a pretty good iron game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he he did uh, drop the bumpy greens. I'll tell you what I saw in round number one had nothing to do with bumpy greens. In fact, afterwards he said he was surprised at how fast the greens were and he struggled with the speed, which is interesting because the most common excuse I've heard for Tiger's lack of good play throughout his entire career of watching him and following him uh, is that the greens were too slow. If the greens yes. were ever too slow, he said, I just couldn't get the speed, just couldn't get the speed. Pretty surprising that maybe, and maybe it's because he was expecting that and that's what he's always struggled with, so he was committed to being a little more aggressive with the putter and they actually were running faster than what he expected and so it tripped him up a couple of times because he did have some three putts. He had some chips that got away from him that, that rolled past the hole a little further than what he would normally execute and then he missed the comebacker, things like that. But um, yeah, I, you know, all in all, just a little bit, I mean, he had birdies, what, he makes six birdies? On yeah. the day and shot over par. I mean, that's yeah. that's the kind of stuff you wouldn't expect out of Tiger. Just a little rusty is what you is what I would call it. Yeah, absolutely. And I can remember. Uh, I think I was caddying for Keith Clearwater there one year. I think it was ninety four, somewhere around in there. Um, and it was Tiger's first event as an amateur player. He was sixteen years old, and he received his sponsor's exemption to play there at the LA Open, and that was his first professional event on tour. Mm, interesting. You were there for yeah. that. I was there. That's pretty yep. cool. That's really cool. Uh, you know, the, another guy uh, sounded like a young guy. Uh, wasn't there in the room, but asked him about his what 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 is it technically that he's trying to do with his golf swing, and <laughs> <laughs> I think Tiger appreciated that it wasn't he wasn't being asked about Piff or Live or anything like that, which we'll get to in a minute. But he asked Tiger, "What well, what technically are you trying to work on on the golf swing?" And Tiger's response was to technically was that he's just working on flushing it. So I'm going to start using In the middle of the club. Just going to, yeah. So technically what I'm trying to do is hit it in the middle of the club face. Yeah. Any questions? You know, he did, he did go on to say that, you know, a lot of it has to do with his hands, that his body doesn't move, you know, as well. And that he's never really subscribed to one, like trying to swing like one particular model or person. And it was always hands and feel and stuff like that. So he did try to give an explanation, but it's just funny when you, Hey, Tyler, what technically are you working on? I'm just working on flushing it. You know, and we've seen Tiger throughout his whole career play on tour from, you know, his first wins to his first major to all the way to get to his 15th and then 82nd and win. And it's, it's almost a little bit painful for me to watch him play golf right now. Um, coming back, especially after the fused ankle, the fused back, everything that he's gone through and how fluid that swing used to be and his age now, what, 48, something like that. And just, he's just having, it looks like he's having a bit of a hard time when we're used to not seeing him have a hard time. Well, you know, you start fusing parts of your body that you need to move and things aren't going to work the same way, right? I know, I know. And by the way, he did borrow. A, I'm, I'm not to say he's not he's not telling the truth here, but 
I couldn't think about help but think about your dad's repertoire of alibis comment uh-huh. when uh-huh. In referencing the shank. Yep. Well, I was having some back spasms coming on those last couple of holes, and I got down <laughs> to the ball, and it, and then he just goes, "Yeah, I shanked it." Yeah, and then he and then he did give the technical, the technical answer. I presented the hosel first. <laughs> you never want to present the hosel first. That's yep. what you learn about, right? You never want to present yep. that. Yep, that's right. Oh man! Hey, when we come back, um, I want to get your take on Sunday red, and that is okay. Sunday red, uh, okay. like Jason Day red, but Sunday mm-hmm. red. Mm-hmm. Um, not Sun JM, Sunday Red. Anyway, um, well, I want to get your take on that, the logo, the, the clothes, and then also his comments about live and the framework agreement with PIF and where that all stands. We'll do that next right here on Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. Segment is brought to you by Callaway and the new Chrome Tour, the gold standard in golf. Uh, the new Chrome Tour, check it out. I've been playing it, gone through almost a whole dozen already, Bob. You know, Black Desert, if you hit one off into the lava, it's gonna do some damage, and you don't want to do that. But I'll tell you what, I love it. It's plenty of distance for me. I love the the spin into the greens and the a little bit more enhanced spin around the greens. So chip shots, grabbing a little bit more, you know, you can hit those little checkers, things like that. So uh, I really the like regular, they did. not the X. I'm huh? using the regular. Yeah, the X is there. You, you go. Know, spins a little bit more on the full swings, which I doesn't necessarily. You um, don't need. I don't yeah. want that. Yeah, I say yep. spinny enough. So yeah, check out the new Chrome Tour and Chrome Tour X at Callaway Golf. Dot com And uh, we thank you for being with us here on Real Golf Radio. So Tiger holding press conference on Wednesday, and he was asked uh, a lot of questions about the current state of the game. And it, let's just start with, uh, let me pull this up real quick. Yeah, here's, here's Tiger kind of generally speaking about where they're at right now with the whole lift and uh, live and piff deal and the new SSG and all that kind of stuff. Here's how Tiger got started. Well, at the end of the day, we're trying to provide the best entertainment, and the, in order to do that, you have to have the best players play. And uh, we want to to uh, have the history and acknowledge the history and the, and the traditions of the history of our tour, and how we have the pathways, uh, have the accessibility, um, have all the intangibles as have made the PGA Tour what it is right now and what has been and hopefully what it will continue to be and to be even better. And how do we do that? And that, that's the whole idea of why we have a group like SSG to provide us with information and help and, and trying to create uh, the best tour we, we can possibly have. Tiger's running for office in case you didn't pick that up. <laughs> um, by the way, he answered that question. What, what is, what has been, what is to be or become? I mean, it's like, yeah, he, he was answering the question, but not really. So he, he basically, from what I got out of that, they want, in order to have the best tour, you got to have the best players, right? That, that was right. something he threw in there Two, Right. They're looking to S for S S G to provide some direction and leadership. And I yeah. thought those were, those were the two things. The rest of it was all a bunch of filler stuff. But they need the in order to have the best tour, they got to have the best players, and they needed some some vision, direction, and leadership. So I, I say what you want about Jay Monahan, like him, don't like him, whatever. Tiger stood by him. A lot of the players on the on the policy board have stood by him throughout this whole thing, and yet you've got him acknowledging that they could use somebody with 
that have, that has been successful in other sports and right. franchises to be able to have that leadership for directing and guiding the PGA Tour through this next chapter, if you will. Yeah, well, predominantly the PGA Tour definitely has the best players in the world on their tour right now. There's six or seven, you know, maybe 10 guys on the other golf league mm. that... Not an acknowledge that, it, huh? Well, I'll say live golf league. Yeah, but the other <laughs> golf league that are phenomenal players. You know, you got you got Kepka and DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith and um Rom. On Rom. You know, there's there's Neiman. maybe two handsful players that are on that tour uh or that golf league that are really, really good players. But predominantly the PGA tour the European tour or the DP world tour, those are where the best players in the game are right now. Now, could the PGA tour survive without the PIF? Yes, they probably could survive and they could probably go along really well. But um, by having the PIF involved also, it gives a way for the fractured game of golf to be able to come back together. um, And we'll see what happens as far as that framework agreement and how it all works out. But there's a lot of different opportunities and a lot of different ways to, uh, to figure this out. So you threw out some guys there, you know, obviously Rom Mm -hmm. Smith, Mm -hmm. Kepka, Mm -hmm. DeChambeau, you know, those guys, right? Right. Um, I'll counter that with, here's some of the guys that are playing this week. Cantlay, Spieth, Finau, Shoffley, Scheffler, uh, Fowler, Homa, McElroy, Clark, Woods, JT, right? I mean, that's yeah. just a list of some of them. Jason, not not to mention Jason Day, Cam Davis, Mackenzie Hughes, Tiger. Um, yeah. I mentioned Tiger. Uh Will Zalatoris. Yeah. Um Ben on. You know, those these guys are, you know, a lot of up and comers. And here's what I have a hard time thinking that if the PGA tour doesn't panic that they're going to continue to grow the next crop of guys. I mean, right. the Shoffleys and Shefflers that weren't around a few years ago that are now household names. Yeah. You know, the, the before that, it was the Spees and the Fowlers and JTs. And before that, it was, you know, the Woods. And, you know, Sam Burns is a guy yep. that's, you know, got a lot of potential. Max Homa wasn't really much a couple of years ago. So my point is, is these guys are going to continue to, that they want to play as long as you continue to provide that heritage and that history and the best tour with the best players and you don't lose them all to live, which gains momentum and becomes something that I don't think it'll ever become. Then you've got what you need. You've got the foundation there. You've got the heritage there to continue to provide that platform for the best players that are up and coming and the current best players. Yeah. And you know, it's this whole thing, with the live live golf league is they're trying to get everybody to conform to them where they are the outsiders coming into the game of golf and they need to figure out a way to conform to what is the PGA tour and, and the game of golf and the world ranking points and all that kind of thing. And the interesting thing is, you know, by the time we hit, uh, 2025, Bryson DeChambeau, he's going to be able, to, he's still going to be playing, be able to play the U.S. Open, um, but he's going to lose some of ex- his exemptions into majors. Dustin Johnson, he's going to lose some um, because 
of his status. And so are the other players that are playing on that tour. John Rahm, it was logical for him to jump because of the amount of money he was getting slapped in the face with, like he said. But he's got basically 10 years more of majors to play where these other guys, because they are dropping so quickly in world ranking, they are losing at they are going to lose out on playing in the major championships. And what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to figure out a way to adjust their events to 72 holes, give players more opportunity to get on and play in those events and not keep it such a close ship. And then they're going to be able to uh, start garnering some of those points. Yeah, but they they cry and whine about it as if they didn't realize that those were the consequences right. when they decided right. to go join a Mickey Mouse League. Right. So the And yet what we're finding out is that Norman and company – promised them that they would have world rankings exactly that they weren't going to lose their situations so but but they have and they had to have known that that was a potential risk norman says oh no it won't be but they had to they had to know that that was and by the way they didn't seem to care about anything on the pga tour when they went over there because that was greener pastures but once they got over there now it's like why whatever looked green from this side they want they want to have all that too with while at the same time you know feasting on their green pasture over there. So it, yep. it continues to be this sort of weird um, situation for these players. Now, the golf fans want to see the best players. Tiger acknowledged that in order to be the best. Mm-hmm. Tour. So the majors, you want these best players all competing. So it is unfortunate that there's this fracturing. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit. Tiger was asked, first of all, about the framework and where does that sit now and where is it maybe going to be headed? Well, the, the, the PIF deal is obviously is ongoing. Um, SSG, we have solidified our agreement with them, and PIF is still ongoing, and we're still negotiating. All right, we'll get that mic to Ryan in the back row, and we'll go with Todd right here in the front. Tiger, do you see PIF as having the ability to add further to what you guys want to do in addition to SSG? Yeah, I mean... Uh, Ultimately, we would like to have you know, PF be a part of our tour and be be a part of uh, you know our, our product, but in financially, you know, we don't now, and so uh, with uh, with SSG and then the amount of monies that they have um, have come to the table with and what we initially had agreed to in, in, in the framework agreement, and those are all the same numbers, so. Um, anything beyond this is going to be, you know, obviously over and above. And you know, we're in a great position right now, and uh, hopefully, we can make our product, you know, better in the short term and long term. Okay, interesting. So the framework yeah. agreement, the negotiations are ongoing. That's sort of be the that's the company line right now. And yet, he, when when asked in the follow up question, he said that what PIF offered in the framework agreement, at least financially, has now been filled. The same numbers have been filled by SSG. So they, yeah. according to Tiger, the PGA Tour doesn't financially need PIF any longer. Now, and then he said, we're in a good position. And the way I read that is he's saying that they're now in a position of strength, in a good position to be able to negotiate with PIF without having to give up more than what they want. So now, as I've said, they were trying to, PIF and Liv force the PGA Tour into a cash race they couldn't win. Right. And now that 
chip, if you will, has been taken off the table. Now they can operate without having to worry about that. They can continue to support these signature events like this week with, you know, ridiculous purses and so forth. Right. So if that's the case, then where does PIF stand? How, why do yeah. they need that? And yet I'm sure it's what you talked about with world ranking, leveraging, you know, all that kind of thing. That now or now is a bargaining chip in favor of the PGA Tour where before they just held all the PIF held all the cards because it was all cash. Yeah. And and it's almost like PIF decided to take John Rom, PGA Tour said, okay, we'll counteract you with this. With SSG. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yep. All right. Hey, coming up next, Ryan Balanchy joins us. We'll get his take. And I still got more from Tiger on bringing back these players and what the pathway back looks like. So we'll still hit all that coming up right here on Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back. It's Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. Always good to have you alongside and welcoming in our good friend from GolfNewsNet.com and GNN Radio on iHeart. And coming soon, I believe there's going to be some video options. I noticed uh, Ryan has been bronzing in preparation. Ryan Balanchy joining us now. What's up, Ryan? Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> I, I guess I can neither confirm, neither confirm or deny the bronzing comment there. Nevertheless, how's the TV side going? It's going well. Uh, I'll probably be launching in somewhere about six to eight weeks. Nice. Uh, putting a, a really nice lineup together. Very excited about it. Um, we'll kind of slowly launch it out into the universe and uh, once once we get it going. And then probably about a month or two, we'll start our live programming. And uh, we're expecting to stream a variety of professional golf events, some college golf events, uh, air old renditions of different tour events. We've got a show with the Corn Ferry Tour. We're probably going to have one with the LPGA and Epson Tour. Um, so we've got, we've got a lot coming. It's very exciting. It's really cool. I love it. Yeah. Hey, so you mentioned, I saw you posted something social or you were talking about something about out playing golf. And I'm just curious when you're out playing golf this time of year at your club, when you get a chance to go out there, uh, talk about the, the winter rust. What, what's that winter rust like? Cause we saw a little rust from tiger in the first <laughs> round at the Genesis, um, I happened to have a little round where I had a little 44-33 um, switch between the front nine, back nine, and I just kind of have to laugh it off. I'm like, look, Tiger shanks them sometimes. Sometimes we have really bad rounds. It's like golf, and it's February. So I'm just kind of curious how you, uh, what, your, what your take is on it and how, your, how, how the rust is affecting you right now. I mean, I, I have learned, I've programmed myself to be able to play at like five minutes notice. Like I, I don't show up and warm up. I, I mean, I live right off the night pole of my club. I still don't even go there early. I walk through the fence two minutes before the tee time, get to the first tee, take a couple practice swings and go. So I've programmed my body to be like, all right, it's golf time. Like you, you don't need any time to warm up. Let's just get this thing going. And uh, that, that's worked out pretty well over the years, but especially in winter golf. I mean, the acclimation period of just getting used to standing in the cold and it gets a little bit windier here in the, the winter than it does in the summer. So you get a little bit more wind. You got to think about that a little bit more. Uh, obviously the colder temperatures knock down how far you're going to hit the ball by five, 10 yards, depending on how cold it is. So you got to club up a little bit. I, I think I go into any kind of winter round or, or one, and I don't play as often, right? I mean, much more variable weather. So maybe once a week at best, usually every other week. Wow. Uh, I, you know, I have, <laughs> I have lower expectations, right? Very low. Ex and I, it's usually only nine holes. So low expectations, 
Don't expect to hit the ball far. Add an extra club. Swing easy. Don't don't do anything insane. Don't try any hero shots. You're not going to pull them off anyway. And and just play a little bit more conservative brand of golf. And that that kind of keeps the the high and low scores to a, a minimum. It's kind of more of a lots of pars, maybe a birdie, maybe a bogey. Call it a day. And I'm I'm happy with that. Just as long as I can kind of stay fresh. I don't need to go for stuff. I can't. I know I'm not going to pull off anyway because I'm not playing regularly. And that that kind of keeps eagles out of the way. You know, par fives maybe, but it also keeps double bogeys out of the way. So I'm I'm willing to live with that. Ah, I like that. I like that. You know, Brian's really good at just jumping on the first tee and hitting a a really good drive also. So that's kind of funny. You know, you also talked about weather and inclement weather and and, uh, wind and all that kind of thing. You know, we've had our share of it on the West Coast. Um, You know, this week at the Genesis, it's a little bit better, more sun, that kind of thing. But tell us a little bit about your thoughts of the West Coast and what's been happening on the West Coast, especially with all the weather. I mean, did we just go through 10 years where it basically didn't rain in California? And now we're kind of on the other side of that kind of drought period. But now it seems to have maybe not gone fully the other way, but a little bit more the other way. Where When I was younger, I, I used to think about the West Coast Swing as a, a time when you could get a deluge of rain like we did last week, where you could get yeah. a tropical system come by or an atmospheric river. I didn't know that term when I was younger, but an atmospheric river come through and dump you know, five, six, seven, ten inches rain and you get mudslides and all this stuff and that that seems to kind of swim back the other way it's just kind of an unfortunate set of timing for the tour just given where they were playing i mean even phoenix got a lot of rain like for them i mean how often does that happen uh so a kind of unfortunate set of circumstances but at least the deluge the atmospheric river happened in los angeles last week so Riviera is a little bit softer, plays a little bit longer this week, but a little bit softer, but it, at least it's that. I mean, it, it looks beautiful. It always looks beautiful. Uh, I would be thrilled to watch it any weather, but, it, you know, especially in sunny Los Angeles weather. What stands out to you, Ryan? Uh, the fact that Wyndham Clark picked up a win with 54 holes uh, after the, the last round was washed out, or the fact that there still seems to be talk about the craziness that ensued at Phoenix? Probably more about Phoenix. I think, I think the tournament probably had been at some kind of tipping point for a while, and it finally ticked off enough pros, and it finally got the tournament organizers at the Phoenix Open into an awkward enough situation because of the weather again. And they put out a statement and said, "Hey, we couldn't use a whole lot of our property, TPC Scottsdale property, this year because the weather was so bad leading into it in the week of that they had to close off large, large portions." to a lot of people. So not only did they have a lot of people that wanted to be there even more than usual, but they had less space to put them. And that led to some pretty disastrous consequences in terms of having to cut off alcohol sales, having to cut off people being able to come into the venue, people getting upset probably about that. And when people get upset, they kind of lash out to do things they're not supposed to do, whether that's heckle golfers or God knows what else behavior. But, uh, you know, that an unfortunate circumstance is going to re- require that tournament to make some changes. And they said they're going to do some things differently. I don't know what exactly that's going to be, but if I were to try to make a suggestion that no one's asked for, I would say that the the biggest attempt they have to make in kind of separating the golf tournament from the social event is to try to create more places on the property, more things to do around the tournament 
either before, during, or after golf that aren't necessarily golf, whether that's having a concert, whether that's having a, uh, I don't know, I don't even know what it could be, but take that non-golf acreage and put it to use to hold the amount of people who are there, frankly, just to drink. And if you want to come to a golf tournament to get drunk, I mean, it's a really expensive way to get drunk, but have at it. Like that's totally fine. But then you have to be able to accommodate those people in a way that also at the same time allows the golfers to do their job. And at the same time, the golfers also have to realize you're playing this tournament. You should expect a certain subset of things for Zach Johnson to say, you know, I've been coming to this tournament for 21 years and it's always been inappropriate or over the line. Why are you still coming? Like you're doing this to yourself then. I mean, if you're a multimillionaire, you don't go places where you're not going to have a good time. You've got enough money to be able to make that happen. So I think part of it, a little bit of it is on the players. A little bit of it is on the fan. Well, more of it's probably on the fans. A little bit of it is on the tournament organizers. And a little bit of it is just an unfortunate situation that made all of this kind of go and look bad for one week. You know, and the interesting thing you were talking about, Zach Johnson, um, you know, guys guys can't pick and choose as much where they want to play now when they're outside of that top 50 and that top 70 um, yeah. from their previous year. And so they've got to play their schedule. We were talking to Troy Merritt. He, he said, I, I can't pick and choose my schedule anymore because I've got to play wherever I can play. And so a guy like that, uh, like Zach Johnson, has to play there. But having said that, you know, it used to be 100,000 a day was huge there. And when you've got 200,000 a day and you have to cut off people coming in and stuff like that, that that really kind of sets things up for the pandemonium that we really saw last week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the law of averages just tells you that the more people you're going to let into an event, the less familiar they're going to be with golf as a whole and the less they're going to be there to watch the golf. I mean, this, I mean, I've gone to triple crown races, for example, over the years at, uh, at Pimlico and Baltimore. I've gone to the Preakness a couple of different times. And for many years in a row, they promoted for people to go to the infield and not even know that the horses were running just to get drunk and have fun, whatever that was. <laughs> well, eventually, if you turn the keys loose, to the, the people who aren't there for what you wanted to be there for, well, guess what happens? They start doing porta potty races where you run across the line of porta potty uh-huh. and see if people can throw beers at you and knock you off the porta potties. Well, <laughs> that only worked for a couple of years, and then some people got hurt and they realized that was a bad look, so they had to go the other way. And I, I think maybe maybe it hasn't gotten that level, right? But it's, it's getting close to that level at Phoenix. But there's also at the same time, you can't prevent everybody from acting like a fool. If, if, if that's their goal, if that's their mission, they're going to find their way in, whether you have 100,000 people, 200,000 people, quarter million people. So you kind of have to accept a certain level of zaniness if that's your reputation. But maybe limiting ticket sales to a degree or doing something to kind of have waves of people who come in and out of the tournament. I, I don't know how you would handle that. But maybe that's how you try to limit the number of people who wind up being photographed urinating on themselves while they're sitting on a stool or any of the other stuff we saw last week. Ryan Ballinger, golfnewsnet.com joining us here on real golf radio. It is entertaining. I don't know if that's the kind of entertainment that they're going for, but it is as to your point. It's kind of what that place is known for. 
A big announcement this week after the Phoenix Open, and that was that, you know, we knew Nike and Tiger were splitting up. Tiger releasing a new brand, Sun Day Red. What's your take on what you saw originally? I can't get over that it's three words. I'm I'm never going to get over that. But I do like the logo. I think I've come around on that. Mm. I I like the abstract Tiger logo. I think I liked it at the start, too. I I originally would have thought if Tiger was going to start his own brand, it would be kind of a silhouette of him doing a fist pump, whether it's the 97 Masters, the 2005 Masters. I mean, take your pick for the, you know, the 2019 Masters. I mean, there's there's five really famous silhouettes of him winning the Masters. Take one. Um, and, and I thought that was probably the way to go. But I, I think feedback criticism of that being kind of a play off the Jordan brand, which Nike has under their umbrella, makes sense. So you got to do something different. It's got to stylistically feel different. I'm fine with that. I think in terms of the clothing, I don't think they're doing anything crazy here. I mean, Tiger talked about cashmere hoodies as though no one's doing them. Well, he missed all of them in the gift shop at the Ryder Cup in Italy, where Ralph Lauren does them. Um, which, hey, they're beautiful. They're wonderful. The, the hoodies look pretty good. Uh, the, the, the sweaters look nice. I, I liked how he looked at Riviera with them on. The shoes, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they become a mass market release or if that's just something for Tiger to wear uh, that's not foot joy. But I, I appreciate what he's trying to do. I don't, I don't yet know whether this is meant to be a brand for the masses. Is it kind of like, more like Nike was, a, a mass brand? Or is it supposed to be more like a, a Peter Millar or a G4 or a Grayson, which is meant to kind of price people out to a degree to you know have a hundred and ten, hundred fifty, hundred seventy five dollar polo? Nine out of ten people aren't buying that. They're not going to spend that money on a polo. That's just not possible for them. Or yeah. they might buy literally one piece, and that's all they ever buy. So I, I think that that's kind of what they're leaning into is something to try to make this brand feel elite or selective or or, uh, elevated, whatever word you want to use, whatever business jargon you want to use. And we'll see if that works for them. But I think more often than not, people are just going to buy something that looks good with the the tiger on it, whether that's a t-shirt or a pullover or whatever. And that's probably the end of it. You know, the other thing that's interesting, something that they're providing for him is ownership in this kind of very similar to uh, what Michael Jordan had with Nike, which Nike never gave Tiger. Yeah, and I think that's probably important for him to get involved in a venture like this at this stage of his life. I mean, he is 48 years old. He only has so much more viable playing time on the PGA Tour. And even that's limited, right? Maybe the major, you know, majors, his events, and maybe the players, something like that. So to be able to have enough visibility for this brand is important. If you don't play, if you're Tiger Woods and you're not on TV, then the brand's not seen, right? It's right. going to be hard to make it stand out. So I, I think for him, owning a piece of it means a little bit of extra motivation to get out there and go play and be visible and let people see you in your Sunday red because that means people might buy the stuff and that might mean you get more money from it. So I think that was the right play. I don't think there was any circumstance in which Woods was going to launch a brand and just license his name for a variety of reasons. But probably one of them was learning the disaster that has happened to Jack Nicholas by licensing his name and what's gone on with the lawsuits around being able to use his own logo and name and likeness in his design business. And I'm sure Tiger 
learned some lessons from that and said, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to own the brand if I'm going to put my name on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good analogy as well. Right. Thanks so much for taking the time. Always good to chat golf with you. Hey, we're counting down. Masters isn't too far away. So um, as we approach March, uh, the one-month countdown is on. Let's go. Uh, exciting stuff. We'll, we'll catch up again, I'm sure, between now and then. But as always, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, guys, so much. Appreciate it. You got it. Ryan Ballinger, golfnewsnet.com, joining us right here on Real Golf Radio. And you can catch us on the GNN Radio Network on iHeart. Be sure to check that out as well. And look forward to the, the video, the TV side of it, which is going to be really cool. So, uh, again, thanks to Ryan for joining us here. Hey, coming up on the back nine, hour number two of Real Golf Radio, we're going to continue our conversation with Tyler Standiford. He's the biomechanics professor at Utah Valley University. He's also a golf consultant, and he talked to us about speed training and then had a chance to go do another session with him where he focused on these force plates and the, right. and how you can interact and create and utilize ground forces to increase your speed, stability, and contact. So we're talking about three different kinds of ground forces here. You're talking about lateral, you're talking about rotational, and then uh, vertical uh, ground forces and how that can all translate into further distance and on the golf swing. So interestingly enough, Bob, I had good numbers for those, but mm-hmm. the sequence of those or the timing of those, he would like to see happen a little sooner. So we'll have him explain that for us. And then of course, America's favorite caddy coming up on the back nine. Yeah. Excited about that. Excited about the caddy. We love hearing his stories, no doubt. Well, and I'm sure he's got some great rib stories, but we got to ask him a little bit about Tiger's caddy and why is Riviera so special? Most people would consider Riv as one of the special golf courses uh, in the world, no doubt about it. We'll talk about it on the back nine, hour number two next. Next. 